As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, everyone. This is Nurse Mo, and welcome to a bonus episode. So I'm really excited about this one for you guys. It answers a ton of questions that I had as a student and as a new nurse. So in this bonus episode, I'm doing an interview with Chance Reeves, who is an informatics nurse with a wide range of really cool experience, both at the bedside in trauma ICU and in curriculum development and as a nurse educator. And Chance is on a mission, you guys, to make nursing documentation and charting easier for students and nurses. And he has a fantastic website dedicated to this mission. So when you go there, you will see articles, resources, some downloads that are absolutely cool as heck. They are Things that you could print out or save onto your iPad or your phone, like the Ten Commandments of Nursing Documentation and different scales, different pain scales, the RAS, which is a way to tell about the patient's agitation or sedation level, all kinds of things like that. And there is even a practice electronic health record using Microsoft Excel. So... I sat down with Chance to talk about the nursing student perspective as it relates to electronic documentation. And here's what he had to say. Enjoy. Okay, so Chance, let's just dive right in with one of the the biggest questions that students ask and experience is when they're as a student learning how to chart, what's the big difference between what they're going to be doing as a student versus what they're going to be doing when they're working as an actual nurse? So I think with students, one of the biggest things that they're going to be uh, kind of navigating is the the application of what they're learning in school and then kind of how that fits into the charting um, the charting world. And depending on whatever software or uh, EHR, EMR, whatever you want to call it, whatever that is, uh, they have to figure out kind of what they're learning and and how they take that application and then kind of plug in the pieces. And when you're talking about that versus what you're going to be doing in the real world, the real world is uh, the charting comes as somewhat of an afterthought. Um, with with nursing students, you're trying to marry the two concepts of I have to understand documentation and I have to put this this piece together um, and then in the real world, hey, I'm, I've already done my assessment. I've already, uh, you know, I've given these meds. I've drawn these labs. I've done whatever. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, let's, uh, you know, I, I can, I can go back and chart that stuff later. But as a, as that nursing student, you're really kind of saying, okay, what does this look like? 
Um, I'm because you're really marrying things like medical terminology. You're marrying um, concepts. You're marrying um, the use of the EHR. You're marrying the use of uh, uh, of HIPAA and high tech compliance. You're marrying all of these concepts all together, and you're trying to see what this feels like. Um, and so that that I think in and of itself is is a challenge for many nursing students, just because it's like, okay, I finally know how to listen to a patient. Now I know S one, S two. How do I actually put this in the record so that it actually makes sense? And that that's really kind of one of the biggest differences between like those two, you know, nursing student and actual practicing nurse. Yeah. When you put it that way, no wonder the students feel overwhelmed because it is a lot exactly. of moving parts. It's a lot of brand new concepts. It's a lot of new information and way of thinking. And you're trying to do all of it at the same time time. So if you're a student and you're listening and you're feeling overwhelmed, I think what you're going through is completely normal. Yeah. And I think it's okay to like compartmentalize a little bit. Um, don't get so caught up with, oh my God, I have to know all of like the entire, the way the software works. Uh, think of it. At, okay. Look, I need to chart. Um, I need to chart on my patient's cardiovascular system. What are the requirements of the facility? What are the requirements of the unit? Um, and how do I basically protect the patient and myself from litigation? Because theoretically, um, that's what you're doing. Um, you're documenting the care that you're giving. And how do I think of it in terms of, I'm going to put it in this bucket of heart stuff. Um, okay, now I, what's included in heart stuff? Okay, the quality, um, the rate, the rhythm, um, when I'm actually auscultating, uh, all of those things kind of play in. And then you look at things like pulses and um, depending on your facility, like I've had it be included where like you have uh, temperatures actually included in cardiovascular. Uh, so you take that piece and you say, okay, cool. Let's kind of put it all in this bucket. How do I chart this stuff? All right, now I'm going to move on to the next thing. And then it kind of, as you start to build into like these, the, the critical thinking things where you're like, all right, my patient has uh the third spacing, they're slightly hypotensive. They just went to OR. Their hemoglobin's a 6.5. Uh, my patient's a little bit tachycardic. Like, what am I thinking? Now I'm starting to like build all the pieces and put them all together versus, um, versus oh, how do I actually click this thing? Um, and that's kind of hard, especially when you're teaching documentation. Uh, you know, I tell the people that, that I teach uh, when I'm teaching documentation, I'm like, I'm sorry, we're going to have to get to this boring part at the beginning because it's boring. Innately, you know, understanding layout navigation is is a challenge with any software. Um, but when we're talking about application, I think that's that's where nursing students get overwhelmed. Right. I like how you suggest kind of breaking it down and dealing with kind of one issue, one theme at a time. So that's that's really helpful advice because it can be so overwhelming when there's you open a flow sheet. There's a million tabs and all kinds of things that you could you could start with so i really like that idea of just breaking it down yeah i and for those nursing students i think don't number one like don't think that you have to understand absolutely everything about documentation uh, there was a study put put out by I think it's the Health Informatics uh, Management System. I'd have to look up that actually. I think it's called HIMS. But what it is, what they they did a study for nurses and nursing leaders, and they said, how long does it take to you for you to become comfortable 
using an electronic health record? And the answer was about six months. Wow. These are these are people that have taken the NCLEX that have been at bedside that have um, that are now managers and supervisors and leaders of units. And we're talking about people and we're not talking about proficiency. We're talking about being comfortable. Like, how do I not feel like I'm going to absolutely drown every day when I go to chart? Like mm-hmm. that's what they were test. That's what they were surveying. So don't feel overwhelmed. Like you have to know everything, just kind of Take it bits and pieces at a time and and go piece by piece. And then it'll all start to kind of make sense. Yeah. So to that point, and I love that you're giving them some permission to feel uncomfortable for a bit. <laughs> why could they be simpler? Like, why are they so complicated? So uh, electronic health records, I think we need to look at the nature of what they are and kind of the point, right? So the point used to be with with charting was um you know back when we do when we did paper charting um i i was luckily luckily enough right after nursing school to kind of get at to, i barely scraped by and was like oh i know enough about it that i don't ever want to deal with it <laughs> but but for those but for those people that under try to understand what nursing uh nursing documentation was with paper chart, it was really a reflection of the care that you were giving. Um, and so like, then that would go to a different department and they would put in charges and then they would, could put in, uh, you know, then it would actually be like archived into the patient record. But now what's happened when you look at companies like Epic and Cerner and Meditech and, uh, uh, I think it's um, Eclipse, and there's like 500 different EHRs in the market. Wow. Dr. Crono is one. Um, Dr. Crono actually came out when I was getting ready to go to nursing school. I actually talked to those guys. It was kind of interesting. Um, they're a great bunch of people, but they're just not as big as Epic and Turner. Um, but the reason they're so big is they have to do a lot of things. They have to do billing. They have to do bed management. They have to do admissions, discharges, and transfers. They have to do communication across teams. Um, you have to have uh, providers and respiratory therapists and occupational therapists and physical therapists, speech therapists, uh, social workers, case management. You have all of these d- different departments operating in the same software trying to accomplish all of their objectives. And then you have executive leadership and you've got your CEO, your CIO, your uh, CMO, CTO, your chief financial officer. You have all your C-suite executives looking at uh, the profitability and strategy and the trajectory of the company. Um, So everybody kind of lives within an EHR and they are very, very um, cumbersome and it's hard for software, well, I say it's hard for software companies. It's more challenging for software companies to build out different uh, different pieces. And I'll use this analogy. Um, so in project management, you have different types of software um, that sometimes work really well together. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pick apart Microsoft just for a little bit. <laughs> Is that Microsoft? Feel free. Is, I'm an Apple person. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. <laughs> So uh, Microsoft, the way that they the way the way that they work is that they have the Office 365 suite, and it has a bunch of cool little apps: Word, Excel, what have you. They kind of pigeonhole you a little bit because they they say, "Oh, well, you have uh, the freedom to do up to this." 
Well, when you're, we're talking about project management, they have a, an app called Lists. Um, and I just started looking into this and I realized that if I want to create a task management list, I can only look at task management and I can't necessarily make it talk to a calendar or a Gantt chart. So if I want to look at a project and look at how long that project took me to do, I can't, if it's, if it's only outlined in a task list, I would have to create a separate calendar list in order to track it. So now I'm operating in one list and then another list and another list. So when we're talking about EHR, what ends up happening is that's what would have to happen. And it just, for hospital systems to work efficiently, they have to have kind of one, uh, one space. And in that one space is this one little area where nurses have to operate. And they're limited by the code and the way that the software is built. And um, as unfortunate as that is, we have to try to figure out ways to train more efficiently, um, do professional development more efficiently, uh, find best practices. Um, and if we start to integrate those early in the training process or uh, even in nursing school, we can actually start to kind of overcome these hurdles of uh, the the magnitude of the way that EHRs are built. So they're just big because they do a lot of things for a lot of different people. Um, so that's kind of that, that challenge that we have to face when it comes to the, the seismic proportion of, of EHRs in, in and of themselves. I think that's a, a really good point. Like I had, obviously I've used the EHR for years and I know that it does a lot, but nursing, you know, I have like my nursing blinders on and I always am just thinking, why isn't this easier for nursing? Because in my mind, we're the only ones using it, which is completely not true. So when you look at it as like a systems level giant machine, it, it makes sense that it would be a pretty hefty thing to learn. So um, I guess that makes me feel a little less intimidated by it and <laughs> maybe battle with it a little bit less. Yeah. And I think the other thing we have to keep in mind is like, uh, we have to understand kind of why, why these software programs ex exist because after the affordable care act came out, they, you know, they tied in the high tech act. I can't remember specifically what it was. I actually wrote an entire paper in my master's about it, <laughs> but what it was, was it was, look, if you switch over to an electronic health reporting system, we will give you a stipend. And that came from the federal government. And the idea was to improve patient security and, and at some point provide patients the opportunity for improved transparency in their own health care, which is it's coming up soon, which is what the, I think it's called the Cures Act. Um, but the, the point of that is to say, okay, now you've got this EHR, but it does need to stay compliant and people that, that fall out of compliance are, I say people, I'm talking about organizations. When those organizations fall out of compliance, they actually, um, can be fined. Um, so it's not just like protecting patient health information. It's also about making sure they stay compliant within that regulatory system. And so when hospital systems as a whole, as a business, um, or if you work at a county hospital and you're providing uh, health care to that patient population, um, what ends up happening is 
there has to be like a, a, a level of um, kind of a, a shared responsibility. And that's what's happening with the EHR. It's not, hey, we want to pick the most difficult software for you to work with. It's we're trying to check as many boxes as we can. Um, so it's nothing personal against nurses. Like they don't pers- they don't go out and th- we're going to find something that is absolutely terrible. Um, I remember I, when I was a vet tech long before I was actually, actually a nurse, um, we, I worked for a, a, a hospital that, um, they used all of their coding was done and it was a DOS based program. So everything was 10 key and everything was code. Like you couldn't actually search for something. You actually had to go look in a book and find a code to enter a charge. It was insane. And it didn't like, there was no, there was no benefit to it except to we felt like they were personally attacking us. Like they hate us. <laughs> that would feel personally attacking. Yes. Um, you brought up the, is it the Cures Act or the Cares Act? I'm trying to remember. I would have to look it up. Um, I would have to too, but we just started having to, because of that act, all of our care team notes are shared with the patient. And that's brand new. Before, if you uh, wrote a care team note, it was, you know, it was within the chart. Obviously, if the patient wants to come and look at their chart, they're going to see everything. But these are like shared with the patient. So there's a little warning that pops up when you're starting a care team note that says anything you write here will be seen by the patient. Oh so my goodness. I it know makes this. you really think about the language you're using, you know, you want to make sure that if the patient reads it, they're not confused. They don't take anything wrong. It's like a whole other layer of uh, complexity that's been added, added to that. So speaking of like charting and learning to chart, can you, what would be like some common maybe pitfalls or mistakes that new nurses face when they're learning proper documentation? So there's, it feels like, it feels like a giant bell curve, right? So at the beginning, when you're in nursing school, you don't know what to chart. So there's gaps everywhere. And then right at the peak of the bell's curve is right when people graduate. They graduate, they take their NCLEX, they get get boarded and they start practicing. They document everything. And that's where they get in trouble. Um, And then you look at veteran nurses and it doesn't feel like they charted anything but they've actually charted so efficiently they've, they've only really charted the most important information or the, the critically important information. Um, and when I say it, it's not that like the, the, they are omitting things intentionally. It's that there are things that need to live somewhere and things that don't need to be documented, which is I mean, double documentation, which is again, like we were talking about this earlier. It's mm-hmm. the thorn in my side, the bane of my existence. <laughs> Um, but when we're talking about like pitfalls, a couple of the biggest pitfalls are um, first off, double double documentation. So double documentation for nursing, for those nursing students who have never heard of it, what it is, is when, and those nurses who have, haven't heard of it yet, and you may be doing this. So think about, think about this if you are. It is when you go and document somewhere else where something has already been documented. And I'll give you an example. If I document my head to toe assessment in, in a, um, what they call flow sheets. Um, I know Cerner and Epic have them. They're basically Excel spreadsheets. Um, if you document your entire, uh, your entire 
assessment in that in those spaces. And then you go over to your nursing narrative or your nursing note and you document the entire thing again. You've that's double documentation. The flow sheets in most hospital systems are set up to document kind of that minimal requirement, the, the minimum requirements for documentation. And then the nursing note is the extra stuff, the stuff that paints the picture. Um, and so that's what happens. I, I had nurses that I worked with, that I loved with, that I would trust my life with. But every time I saw their documentation, it drove me nuts. I'm like, why are you, why are you writing? And they're like, well, that's because of what we've been taught. And I'm like, what is wrong? It's wrong because they, you are more likely to be audited on a flow sheet than you are in an actual nurse note. That the the point of the nursing narrative is to that to paint that picture of what's actually happening where I can't explain it somewhere else. So if there's some sort of if there's a button that you're supposed to click, that button exists to make your life easier. Um, there, I know that there's um, in the software that we use, there are like f- five or six different ways to mark that you've reviewed allergies. And anytime I'm training somebody, I'm like. Okay, listen, I'm going to show you the most efficient way to do this. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, so that the, the double documentation is another one, or is kind of like the, the first one that, that kind of grinds mm-hmm. my gears. Um, another one um, is, is charting by exception. Um, it, charting by exception is this is a concept of if... I have already documented or the chart clearly denotes what a normal or acceptable value is. Um, I don't need to chart it. I'll give you an example. If I document my head to toe, if I'm working in the ICU, which is where I worked, um, if I do my eight o'clock assessment and I do a head to toe and then I do another head to toe at noon and there are no changes and I have the option to say, a head to toe reassessment complete, no changes. I'm going to click that button because if I go back and I'm, I go fill out everything else, it has become highly inefficient. Um, and so I can actually say, okay, everything was normal except my patient is now dizzy. So now I can just go to neuro click exceptions and I'm going to just only chart the thing. That's not, that's not normal or that doesn't fall within the defined limits. And so figure out how your facility or your unit, um, what their policy is for charting by exception, but use that to your advantage. You don't need to go chart everything all the time because, um, because it, uh, because it feels like you need to just utilize that, that charting by exception rule and principle, because that will really help save you a lot of time and by charting by exception, actually kind of steers you away from double documenting. Those are kind of like the two big ones that I can really, that really I see a lot of. Okay. So here's my question for you as someone who okay. works in an environment where we have to do very, very frequent assessments. I always get stuck on this one. So I'm glad you brought that up. So let's say I've got a patient that just came from cath lab and okay. they've got groin sites. And for the students who don't know what I'm talking about, the um, physician will access an artery or a vein through the groin, and those sites are very fragile, and you have to watch them very carefully because that, uh, 
what they use to achieve hemostasis can fail. You can get a hematoma, patient can bleed out, patient can die, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to watch these groin sites very carefully. And every 15 minutes for a good while, you're assessing for hematoma. You're looking at the site. You're checking the pulses. You're doing all these things. So what we do is, I, you know, we'll check it at ground zero when they arrive, and then 15 minutes later, check in and chart the exact same thing again, which is a giant waste of time. So if I were to chart by exception, there would have to be a place where I, where you click a box that says no change. Is that what you're saying? So I think, I, I think that is a good example of maybe focused assessment. So like... Mm-hmm. I would probably, if I were in your shoes, um, because what we're doing is we are showing that we are being attentive to a particular um, potential high-risk situation, Mm -hmm. I would probably say, like, I would do my head-to-toe. So they they get admitted, they get it. So I send them to cath lab, they come back. I do my head-to-toe. And then at 15 minutes, all I document is a focused assessment and I'm only focusing on this one thing. Mm-hmm. That's going to eliminate the the need to feel like I have to that it's that it's almost an exception, right? Um, the the challenge I get into is uh, neuro checks, right? So oh. neuro checks, pulse checks. Uh, I remember I had a patient who one time they were on TPA. It was my first TPA patient, and our our TPA protocol is, or at the time was absolutely the hospital I was in was absolutely it's ridiculous. Um, and it's, but it's for a reason, it's for patient safety. And it was like a 15 minute neuro assessment for like three hours. And then I have to do a 30 minute assessment for two. And I'm just in there asking, and it's, and it's nights. This dude is not getting any sleep. Uh, it was awful. That's rough. I've been there. But it was the, the challenge that I had was I had to document specifically this. I, I, so my chart looked the same on everyone. But I was doing focused assessments and mm-hmm. I was being diligent. There's in some of those situations, you can't fall default to to charting by exception. It mm-hmm. was one of those. If you are in a specialized area, um, you may have requirements. Okay. I'm um, glad you made that distinct that distinction. Yeah, it, it's tricky because I I would love to be like, oh, no changes. But the challenge becomes if I'm a vascular surgeon or, or a cardiovascular surgeon or cardiothoracic surgeon and they went cath lab or what have you, um, and all of a sudden, like, I'm, look, I, I'm going to check, you know, I'm on another floor with another patient. I just want to check and, uh, you know, drop in on this patient to see what's going on from the nurse's perspective. If I see no changes, it would make me a little bit more apprehensive than if mm-hmm. I were to say, uh, if I were to see, hey, um, reassess, focus reassessment complete, um, and then you describe it. Mm-hmm. And even if it is the same, it would make me feel better because I think one of the things that I that we haven't talked about, or I should have maybe addressed whenever uh, you were talking about the complexity of EHRs, is that they're also a tool designed to improve interdisciplinary communication. Right. So across teams, it's that people can see what's going on with the patient without actually going to hunt this person down. I love that. I'll take a patient up and they'll say, I've already seen all your notes. I basically know what's going on already. And it just makes handoff even that much more efficient. I love that. 
Yeah. So I, so kind of think of it in terms of not necessarily, if you think I, do I need to chart this specifically? Mm-hmm. Um, think about it in terms from if the provider came by and asked you what's going on with the patient and you said, oh, there's no changes. I'm not sure that that would satisfy. That probably wouldn't fly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the doctors I work with, thankfully, um, you know, we were talking about this the other day on our team um, are because we're in a teaching facility. Um, they, they kind of, uh, we, we avoid a lot of some of uh, the um, obstacles that many people in private, private uh, facilities run into where providers think that they are God's, God's greatest gift to medicine. Um, I, I love that, that our providers practice a lot of humility. Um, so it's nice to be able to kind of think in that context. I, I forget sometimes cause I feel a little bit spoiled. I'm like, Oh, our doctors are great. Cause I could just call them up and I'm calling my first name and it's weird. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, kind of in that, but think about, think about it from necessarily the terms of I need to, whether it's a provider, whether it's another, uh, you know, maybe it's the oncoming NP that's going to be caring for this patient. What's, you know, what is the status? Oh, no changes. No changes doesn't really help them understand what's happening. Right. So as you, as we want to improve that communication, um, just think about, I want to provide a clear message to whoever is seeing this. Yeah. I like that kind of framework of looking at it as a communication tool. I think that's, that's really, really helpful. Okay. So another question chance the students ask all the time because they go to clinical and they really get their eyes opened to what it's actually like to work as, as an actual nurse at the bedside. And they'll see nurses staying over shift for an hour to do their documentation. So is that the norm? Is that expected? And how much time should they anticipate to spend on their documentation in a general, in a general shift or general sense? Okay. So we'll start kind of at the end and work backward. Um, so the average amount of time that you that I've seen kind of in studies is twenty to thirty percent of your sh- of your shift is going to be um, spent charting. So if you're working a twelve hour shift, sometimes it's four hours. Wow, um, it feels like I, four hours. <laughs> it does. It does. And the challenge, and so. Um, there are several challenges to why that happens um, or several reasons why that happens. Uh, number one is the complexity of the patients that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. I, re- I remember um, in nursing school um, and my preceptor appreciated this and I appreciated the opportunity was that we got, I did my capstone in med surge and as I'm doing it, we got five, we got six patients. We flipped six rooms. Wow. So in that day, I did, she did, she provided a lot of the care. Um, so, but she would give me like the lower, kind of the lower acuity patients. Cause that's our program was set up to where we had a little bit more autonomy, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could go in and check on patients and she trusted me enough. And, um, I w- it was a smaller hospital. I had good rapport with, you know, the management and leaders. And so it was nice to kind of be able to feel trusted in, in that, um, role. Um, but it was, Six patients, full charts, full assessments, head-to-toe assessments, reassessment, medications, vitals, um, admit, 
um, thankfully they had like an admin nurse who would come around and only do their admins. Like, oh, that's golden. That was her job. I love it. Um, but it was still, it was still a lot. Mm-hmm. And I did most of her charting and she, she was like, Oh, if we got done with that day. She's like, I owe you something. Cause I would not have stayed afloat if, you know, if she would have had those patients by herself. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so I appreciated that, that, that vote of confidence. Um, but it, and those patients weren't complex. I've had patients that that were extremely complex. Um, my first level one had a just a just a variety of like ethical issues and a non-survivable injury, and we had to do all sorts of crazy studies. And I had another patient, and it was really difficult. And then there was another day where I had um, a younger patient who had. Uh, he had some trauma and he had uh, quite a bit of a, a challenging home life. And so he didn't really have a good support system and we were a little bit slower and I was caught up by like 10 o'clock and I was able to spend the majority of the day hanging out with him and kind of being his buddy. Mm-hmm. And you have those days and then you have other days where you just get it handed to you. Um, so I, I think that kind of to bring up another issue, I say another issue, another point is that work, if you have the opportunity as a new nurse to try to find ways to be innovative, um, if you don't like spending a bunch of time um, charting, a bunch of extra time charting, then <clears throat> see if there's a flaw in your system. Look at look at the possibility of maybe saying, hey, look, I would like to take on this project of trying to improve training. Um, I want to become a super user for this software because I want everybody else to, um, to to not spend, you know, an extra 30 minutes charting. It, are we charting something extra that we shouldn't be as a unit or as a facility? Because that's people, people will tend to over-document in order yes. to try to stay compliant. And yes. so like facilities, it, there's a lot of different challenges, especially with like leadership. Cause then leadership says like there may, you may run into a manager that says I document this way. Therefore everybody on my floor has to document. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit unfair. So work, work with your team members, your leaders. And if you can find ways to speed up your charting, then by all means, take those challenges on. Um, I, I was a squeaky wheel right out of nursing school too. Cause I was just like, why are we doing we had this policy that was uh, we had to change an outside IV within 24 hours. And I was like, show me the evidence that says we have to do this. And management was like, uh, there is none. I'm like, okay, then let's change it. Exactly. We had to do the same thing and change every IV every three days. And now we don't because the literature doesn't necessarily support that. What's interesting is that literature has been around for a couple of decades. You're like, why, why are we still changing? It's not, there's no time-based parameters. It's about assessment. So you're right. like, oh. I but. love that. Okay. So the next question that students kind of ask is, I know a lot of, you know, like when I was a student and I was learning the EHR, I took a little class, but it was a very small, you know, it wasn't the whole class for the electronic health record. So when a student is going to learn an EHR and, and like dive into charting, where should they start? Like start with the flow sheets, start with hunting, you know, learning where to find information. Like what's the best way to get kind of comfortable using it? So I think this is kind of like a three-pronged approach. The first one is understanding your nurse practice act. 
Um, I think that this is so pivotal to uh, just documentation in general. Like on my website, I have an, an interactive map where you can actually go to the map and click on your state and go directly to your Nursing Practice Act. Like I think it's it, it is it is an absolute crux of nursing practice because a uh, you know even doing something as simple as acknowledging an order, people you know they, some nurses ask me all the time. They're like, all right. So if I acknowledge an order, does that mean that I've accepted it? I'm like, no, what you're doing is you're acknowledging that you have accepted responsibility for that order. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're just going to be out, you know, um, we're not worker bees just carrying out um, actions. We're, mm -hmm. we're nurses with brains who have worked really hard uh, to get where we're at. And I've, I've pushed back a lot. I've pushed back on admits. I've pushed back on meds. I've pushed back on like appropriate treatment, surgeries, et cetera. I've done all sorts of pushing back um, just because I've always been a huge patient advocate. And so kind of in that same context, like understand that the law in your state grants and affords you um, responsibilities of care and you need to make sure that when you're doing that, that you are accurately reflecting that care. Mm -hmm. So think about in terms of, am I living up to the standard of care for my Nursing Practice Act and the, and the rules and regulations according to my state? And as long as I can defend that, um, they, th then you should be like, that's kind of the number one. Then mm -hmm. you should be fine. Um, the second one is look at your policies for your hospital. Um, if you think that there's a, a policy or, or, or organization or whatever, wherever you're working, but if you, but if you're like, I feel like this documentation is antiquated or maybe is not complete, uh, it's not comprehensive enough, um, it could be more streamlined, um, then then by all means, look into what best practices are related to that. You know, it understanding that kind of reinforces that first thing of. I'm also adhering to my standard of care mm -hmm. because now what I've done is I've looked at the evidence that says I only need to document this because they're now looking at like litigious cases and right. uh, you know now they're looking a little bit into like the 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 civil and criminal and um, the case uh, areas of of law when it comes to nursing practice. Um, so try to dive in if you need to if you're like this feels weird. It feels cumbersome, mm -hmm. um, you know, outside of, holy crap, this is a really gigantic software. Um, but if it's, I feel like I'm spending 30 minutes on this one little piece, um, you know, take a look at it and see, is there a better way to do this? Right. Um, so that's, that's the second one. And then the third one is to, to understand the software. You know, I think the majority of the EHRs, especially the big ones, um, you know, Epic and Cerner, I know these. I know these numbers right off the bat. They account for about seventy percent wow. of all of the EHRs. So there's a good likelihood you're using one of those. I think Meditech is something like fifteen percent. Um, and so, you know, between those three, we're covering you know eighty percent of the entire market. Mm -hmm. And I know that for the for most of those cases, they have training environments um, and training um, specific training to use their software. So call your IT department. Say, hey, is there some sort of like um, they call them like playgrounds yeah, or, that's what ours or, or is. training environments. Yeah. Is there something that I can just go in and play with and see if I can understand and understand the workflow and, um, and to make uh, my life easier so that I'm not spent, you know, I, I had a, a nurse that 
that worked that I ended up finding through Facebook in another in a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. I found out she worked at my hospital. She worked on my pre- she's working now working on my previous unit. And I and I was like, "Hey, this is what I do now because I'm you know, I train people with the EHR." And I was like, "Let's schedule a meeting and I'll walk you through." And sure enough, we walked through this one thing that she felt like she was spending a ton of time on and it was great to have her be like, you know, I followed I follow I was able to follow up and she's like, "Yeah, I'm actually it's actually doing a little bit better." So I'm like, knowing that um, makes me, uh, makes me feel like I'm able to do my job. Mm-hmm. And not only that, um, I know that there are ways to improve. So starting out, I mean, like just knowing your, that, that, you know, what your practice act is, um, what your policy, your unit policy or facility policy is. And then also, um, you know, learning about the software, those, those three things will make your job a, a lot easier in the beginning. Okay. I love it. All right, Chance. So before I let you go, I do want you to tell the students about your website. So tell us a little bit about that. Perfect. Um, it is mynursingnote.com. And uh, it was kind of born out of this idea that um, I'm weird and nerdy <laughs> and that I like the most random things like documentation. I'll actually look up case law and see what case actually went to court and why it was actually, uh, wow. Yeah. I, so I actually have some news articles on there, but the, the idea behind the website is to be kind of this all inclusive resource, uh, for nursing documentation in the United States. I want to be specific to the United States because I know that I I can say, you know, like in Canada, I have no idea. Right. Uh, Love you Canadians, but I don't, (laughs) I I don't know. know how it works there. Um, really it's about, uh, there's nothing, if you, if you look up like nursing documentation or, or nurse charting or whatever you look up on the internet, you're kind of going to get just this variety of, of links to different random pieces of information. Mm-hmm. You'll get like ones from the American Nurses Association, which I think there's as good. Um, but I don't think it's as comprehensive as it could be. Um, I think that, uh, I also take into the, 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 nurse education, um, the nurse educator, my, my understanding of, uh, the importance for people. Some people don't learn just simply through reading a news article or, mm-hmm. or, um, they don't learn by watching a video or some people just don't learn through, you know, some people are multimodal where they have to have reading and visual and they have to have some kinesthetic properties. So I try to inc- incorporate that as well. So I try to make these fun infographics that, um, if you, if you actually go to the website and, um, and you sign up, um, there's like a members area, which uh, allows you to download all of the images, high resolution for free. It's still a growing website. Um, I'm trying to, you know, it's, it wasn't launched too, too, too long ago, mm-hmm. but the goal of it is to, as time progresses, as time progresses just to add as much relevant evidence-based practice as going to make your life easier um, when you're charting um, and when you're uh, taking care of your patients and you know how do I communicate better with my team how do I uh, how do I understand the difference between the Richmond agitation sedation scale and the Pacero um, opioid induced um, sedation scale and when should I use them and what's the difference between Riker and Ramsey and Richmond and like because all of those things, even though those are like screening tools, um, mm-hmm. you still have to document. You still have to show that you actually did them. So that's kind of what it is. Um, and right now, 
as far as some of the newest content, I'm trying to do it kind of in, in series mode. So right now I'm doing a lot of things focused on pain. Um, at some point I'll kind of do an overhaul of assessments. Um, some may be focused on different, uh, you know, um, uh, systems groups. So like neuro versus cardio versus respiratory. How do I document these things? I may do one on meds. I'm, you know, I, the idea is to kind of create just a bunch of different resources, um, for everybody to come in and, uh, you know, use as they need to. It's, it's the point is to kind of create one spot where people don't have to, you know, search for a bunch of right. different things. They can just go to one site, search on the site, find it, find what they need, and then move on. I love it. There's nothing like that out there. You're just kind of left on your own to figure out how to document. And and I love this. I love this resource. So it's mynursingnote.com. So I want you guys to all go check that out. And thank you so much, Chance. I This was eye-opening and I learned so much and I cannot wait to go check out your website. Thanks for having me on. I definitely appreciate being here. All right. Have a good day. All right. Thanks. So there you have it. I hope that was as informative for you as it was for me. I definitely learned a lot and I I think I have a greater appreciation for the complexities of the electronic health system and understand that yes, there is a learning curve, but it is one that is absolutely essential. So again, go to Chance's website, mynursingnote.com. I will link to that in the episode notes as well. You will find so many resources. He is totally on your side, and I can't wait for you to learn from him as well. So with these bonus episodes, I love bringing in nurses who have other specialties to share their knowledge with you. So send me an email and let me know what other types of nurses you want to hear from on these bonus episodes. Send that email to hello at straightanursingstudent.com. See you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.